0: Good morning. I agree with Vicky and Josh baptisms—wow, that just rocks. Um, reminded me—I just I have to share a baptism story. Is this okay? Um, when you, after you baptize enough people, I'm sure Chris. It, it, you end up with stories, certain funny things that happen. Like years ago, I baptized this guy who was twice my size, height-wise and width-wise, and he ended up having his feet out of the water, you know. It, but but the one I want to share with you was last year. Okay, We've lived in Mexico 20 years, okay? I speak Spanish, um, but there's still sometimes things pass me by or I don't, grasp or something like that yeah, there's, sometimes there's still the disconnect okay and so this Sunday morning comes around the, um, we knew there were going to be baptisms because uh, we have small groups and we encourage the small group leaders if you have baptisms we want you as a small group leader to do the baptisms well, this, this one small group leader, he called me and he goes, I've got five baptisms this morning, but he says, I was bit by a dog this week on the calf, and he goes, I don't want to get in the water with, with this fresh wound, you know, and so, okay, and so I, I can do the baptism. I didn't know any of these people. I'd never met them before. Um, we're a cell church, and I'll get to this in a, a few minutes, but typically in cell churches, more people attend the small groups, the cell groups, than they actually do the Sunday morning service. And so it's very common to have people go into small groups, and after they become Christians, they slowly trickle into the church. And so I didn't know any of these people. And so, you know, I'm there in the baptistry. Somebody comes in. What's your name? My name is Jose. Okay. Baptize Jose. Okay. So this lady comes in, and I'm like, well, what's your name? And what I hear is, my name is Mari Juana. Okay. I'll... I'll I'll translate that in English. In English, it's, it's literally basically Mary Jane. Okay. So I baptized um, marijuana. And, and I, I'm so focused on baptizing. It wasn't until afterwards, because I'm, I'm just trying to get Spanish. You know, it, it's a big event, you know. And afterwards, my, my two kids, my sons, one of them six 6'4", my other son is over my height, he's 6' tall. They come up to me, and they're just laughing. They're like, Dad, you just baptized marijuana. (laughs) And I'm like, what? No, I didn't. Her name's Marijuana. Oh, yeah, I guess I did. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, yes, we all have stories, but um, new life, we love it. And this morning, I want to (sighs) share... As Christians in Mexico, we have found, we, we do experimenting, you know, what is, what's going on in this generation, what's going on in this culture, how can we best reach these people and disciple them, raise them up so that they can also disciple others. And so um, today I want to talk about basically two strategies that, that we use that we've seen, that we use over and over again, that are working. So first of all, let's go to Matthew 10, verse 7 and 8. Okay, you guys there? I'm reading out of the NIV. Matthew 10, verses 7 and 8. says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Okay? That whole, um, the kingdom of heaven is near, heal the sick, raise the dead, I'm going to sum that up as love others well. Okay? So as you go, love others well. You know, love them the way that, Jesus loved them. You know, try to see through Jesus' eyes how he would see this person you're talking to. And as you go to the store, you know, as you go to Walmart, as, as you take your kids, drop them off at the school, as you go to work, but as you go, uh, it's, it's uh, as a kid who grew up in the church, um, I'm realizing as an adult, I had a lot of things I thought church and some things were i don't know where i got them just um i don't think the church taught them i just grabbed some interesting goofy ideas sometimes and one of them was that missions only happens when you go on a on a little mission trip that's the only time you do evangelism you know we're going on a mission trip to wherever arkansas and so you get to do evangelism that one time you know and um Or, hey, we're going to go downtown and and do evangelism. And so, okay, we get to do evangelism. But where the Bible says, as you go. It's all the time. Every day. We have the opportunity. It's not just special events. It's not just, hey, three months from now we're going to do this thing. You know, prepare and everyone go. We have the opportunity all the time. And when we take advantage of the opportunities, we get to see stuff like this. Baptisms. (laughs) Baptisms. We get to see the fun stuff, and that, that which is one of the reasons we encourage our small group leaders that they get to baptize, because it's kind of like, you guys put in all the work. We don't even know, the, can't even say their names right. You know, you guys know them. You put in the work, you get to help see the, 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 the new birth, you know, the new life. And, and, um, and as Christians, we know that Sundays after church, where's the place that we all go? We all go out to lunch right okay so as you go because we know right now that a lot of restaurants are closed have smaller hours whatever they're they don't have enough help that um bless your waiter waitress tip them well i never worked in the food service but um just tip them well whatever you can because you know the interesting thing is no matter where we go, you know, let's just say you're at Walmart, and you go up to the cashier. You have no idea what this person's going through in their life. We just see them for, you know, one minute, two minutes. We say hi, they say hi, and then we're out of there. They, you know, they may have just lost a spouse, and they're in at work. We have no idea what they're going through. And, uh, you know, try to see them the way Jesus sees them. Love on them. And, um, and we've seen this work with, you saw on the video, we had uh, some food bags, okay? During COVID, we did that four times, something like that, um, where some churches gave us some money and we were able to go buy those food bags. And, and we distributed them, we kind of learned as we went. But what we really learned, what, what worked best, I should say, is that we would talk to the people in the church and say, "Hey, do you guys know any neighbors who are who have needs right now? You know, because being out of work and stuff like that. Um, Covid hit. You know, every country's hit differently. We're seeing India as being devastated at the moment. A few months ago, I read this article that." I don't know who came up with this idea to write this article, but it said, if you're sick with COVID, which is the best country to be in and which is the worst country to be in? And they had a list of 43 countries, and they had them listed. And I don't remember where the U.S. was, I'm sure it's towards the top of the list, but Mexico was number 43. If you have COVID, you don't want to be there. And so, you know, it's a it's similar thing with every other country, not enough ventilators, and and uh, they had... not Inflatable hospital? Can I say? Does that make sense in English? (laughs) It was an inflatable. Okay, I don't know. (laughs) Just you know, you know those kids' inflatable toys? Just a giant one. That's what. That's what. um, That was the COVID hospital. It still is in in Pachuca. Um, It's a temporary hospital. That makes more sense. Temporary hospital. They call it the inflatable hospital. I'm sorry. Some. Some. I have to confess. Sometimes, I think in Spanish and English or whatever, and I. I think of a word, okay, and then I try to translate it. So be patient with me, please. But with the, getting back to the food, a lot of people were out of work. Um, some people were like, I lost my job, so now I'm trying to sell vegetables. Is this going, you know? And so we would just ask the people in our church, because sometimes our people in our church were doing fine. Other times they needed food bags, but most of the times they were fine, but they were like, yeah. This neighbor here, they have four kids. The, the husband and wife both been out of work for however many weeks. And so they're like, yeah, can we take two food bags to them? And it was still one of these as you go. You know, they, they, they were just loving well on their neighbor. They knew the, where the needs were, and they were taking and loving, loving them. And we've noticed a lot of our growth happens from people in our church loving their neighbors well. Just, just by doing normal things, saying hi to their neighbor and stuff like that, and um, last year, um, my son was playing. He he plays the keyboard. That's what it's called in English. <laughs> He's playing. He plays a keyboard in one of the churches, and so he would have to be at church at like eight thirty, and I didn't have to be there till ten. But I have to. I drive. It was it was on a hill. And so I drive them up the hill and drop them off. And, and I'm like, I've got an hour and a half. What do I do? And you know, we have to carry the piano up. or We drive the piano up there. And then we have to carry it to the... It's a long story. Our, our <laughs> when a church is on a hill and, and it's in a place where you can't always drive to. So you have to park here and hike down 200 meters or whatever with your piano. And so we we'll start hiking down to the, to the church building. Carrying his piano, well, he's carrying the piano. I'm carrying the stand and the cables and stuff like that. And we pass this guy, who his name is Couché. and Couché is not a name; it's it's a nickname. And I'd seen him before. I'd never really talked to him, um, but everyone in the whole neighborhood knows him as Couché. And so, and he's 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 a homeless guy. He's actually a drug drug addict. They uh, sniff glue is a very common. Um, it's very common in this area because it's a cheap, cheap drug. And so he was just sitting there and he sees me and he uh, and he says, hey, can you can you get me something to eat? And I'm like, sure, I can do that because I'm thinking I've got an hour and a half, you know, and so I say, just a second, I need to take, you know, the piano and keyboard down to the church, but I'll, I'll be back. And so there's a mar- there's a market by the church every Sunday. And so they have tamales. Have you guys ever had really good tamales? So that's, what, <laughs> that's one thing I miss about Mexico. Um, and so I stopped by, I got tamales and uh, some sort of drink, like coffee or something like that. And so I get one for myself, get one for him, get us both drinks, and I go back up and sit down with him. Well, Couche, he's been using drugs, sniffing drugs, glue for so long, he can no longer walk. His, um, it like it mangles your muscles and it's just it's horrible and so i just sit down with him and i i talk with him for basically an hour and a half you know we just share we just eat tamales and just just sitting on the sidewalk he actually he lives in the public bathrooms at the little um, little park and and that's his life and it was interesting because i found out like a year later um, one of the leaders in the church said hey this guy this other he pointed to this other guy this other guy started coming to our church because he saw you sitting with couche. And I, um, you know, I'm kind of like, well, that's kind of an odd thing, you know. <laughs> but I'm love just loving on somebody. And you know, we're supposed to be ma- we're supposed to make a difference. And I remember years ago we um, the women almost had this ministry to single moms getting ready to have kids. And having baby showers. It was like one year. That I don't know how many they did, but it was just a way of practically loving on them. And, um, yeah, <laughs> just being the body. Being the body. So as you go, wherever you go, you know, just show God's love. Okay? So let's move to Ephesians 4. Because so, that's one of our keys, is that everyone loves you know we you know the people see that we're loving well and so they start kind of adapting that and they are also they start loving their neighbors well so Ephesians 4 Verses 1 through 7. And there's a lot here. Actually, there's sermons worth of stuff here. So I'm only going to pick out a few things. Okay? So, Ephesians 4, 1 through 7. And then eventually I'll also do 11 through 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling you've received. I want to stop right there. I'm not going to stop on every verse. But. Um, missionaries, if, if you get into missionary circles, we all have stories of how we felt called to the mission field. I, I, I think every missionary I've ever talked to has has their own little story. And he, he, we don't always hear that with normal people, uh, normal people, that's not right, <laughs> with, with, your, with your average people. But um, I want to share that my dad, he's, he's a retired high school math teacher. He taught High school math for years actually I had him for geometry as a sophomore um, that's a whole nother story but he had a calling when he was in college he felt God call him to go into the educational system and you know we need people we need Christians who are teachers you know we need Christian landscapers we need Christian lawyers we need Christian prison guards you know, we need, we, we need to be in every aspect of society shining our light, okay? So whatever your calling is, urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. So be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Yeah, seriously, every verse here has a sermon. Okay. There is one body and one spirit, Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as God apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, am I reading? Oh, I shot over what I'm reading. Yep, I'm on to verse 8. Okay, that's what's going on. Uh, Okay, I'm sorry, jump down to verse 11. So, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind and teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as as each part does its work. Wow. Yeah, seriously, there's so much in there. But what I want to focus on, a few things. Um, He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, we'll just call that church leaders, okay, to equip the people for works of good service another another um, version says equipping the saints, okay? So church leaders, their job is to equip the saints. You know, this isn't a perfect illustri- illustration, but th- think of like a, a coach. You know, he's teaching a sport, um, but he's also participating in that sport. And so, but the idea is, um, once again, as a kid, Growing up in a church, I thought it was, the, it was the pastor's job to do ministry. The rest of us, we just come on Sunday mornings. But that's not true. Our job on Sunday mornings is, surprise, you're in school. We're learning so that we can go out and affect the world. Does this make sense? Um, years ago, one of our churches, like four times a year, they would do a women's breakfast. And they would invite... They would invite um, just women from, from the neighborhood. And, you know, we had a few times there were women from other churches that would come. It's just any women that wanted to come. And there was this one lady who she came quite a few times. And, and after a while, after one breakfast, she approached my wife, Vicki. And, and, uh, and she goes, You know, I go to such and such church, but I, I, think, I'm, I think I want to change churches. I think I want to come to your church. And Vicki said, Well, why do you want to come to our church? And she goes, well, because my pastor no longer visits me. And Vicky goes, well, if you come here, we're not going to visit you either. Because the lady had been a Christian like 10 or 15 years. And Vicky went on to say, you've been a Christian long enough. You need to be out visiting. Because we're a body. We work together. So I have tennis elbow, self-diagnosed. I'm not a doctor. And um, I don't play tennis, but um, I've been lifting some weights. And so I was, you know, great thing about technology age, the computers, I just looked up on YouTube. I just typed in tennis elbow. And you see these, you know, start watching these different videos. And eventually I came across this video, and the guy said, he's a sports therapist, and the guy said, most people treat... The, the, the elbow when they when they have pain there they treat the elbow when actually the elbow is just a hinge it's all it does is it doesn't do any it can't do anything else than just back and forth it's a hinge and he goes on to say that if you have pain in your elbow you know logically we think well we need to treat this but he said what's happening is it's being strained because your wrist which actually can move a lot more or your shoulder, which also can move a lot more, is weak. And so if you have tennis elbow, you need to strengthen these other joints around it, and that will, also, that will eventually get rid of the pain here. And it's the same way in the church that sometimes, like, like, like this lady who went up to my wife, the pastor's not visiting me. When, when we're not doing what we're called to do, when we're not using our giftings, that, that God has given us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. When we're not using those, other parts of the body have to kind of pick up, try to pick up that slack and somebody ends up getting strained. And, but when we all work together, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. We're a family. The way that we're, we're supposed to be, we're loving each other, encouraging each other, and growing. Okay? So, what, what we've seen is, um, the first one is that we, we love each other well. The second key is we use small groups. Um, we're a cell church, and um, if you've never heard of a cell church, just call it a small small groups church. But if you've been in any Christian church for any amount of time, you know that we have small, small groups here in the U.S. You know, typically it's like, hey, if anyone's interested in... Uh, Going through the Book of Romans, the Kennedys are going to be having a small group every Wednesday night for the next 12 weeks. You guys know what I mean? Okay. And then there's, yeah. So it's Sunday morning is the focus, and by the way, we have small groups. Okay? What we do is we flop that. We focus on the small groups, and by the way, we have Sunday morning. This is how we end up with typical cell churches have more people in their small groups than they do in Sunday service. Because, you know, you can, when you invite somebody to church, they're like, hmm, church, do I really want to go to a church? You, you know, there's a lot of baggage that comes with a church. You know, they think, is the pastor going to, you know, just call out, you know, just say really, uh, be very judgmental. That's what I'm wanting to say. You know, and so people are kind of nervous about going to church for a first time. But if, you have, if you're friends with somebody and you say, hey, you know what, would you like to come to my house? And I have a few group of friends and we're just kind of reading through the Bible. People are a lot more open to that. And so we've found, actually, we've actually heard stories that probably um, depends where you're at. Probably the smaller villages, you'll still hear this sometimes in Mexico but that the priest would actually tell people, if you set foot inside of a Protestant church, you're automatically going to hell. And so we don't hear it in a big city, but we have heard that that used to be a norm. And so who would want to chance that? You know. So for us, it's a lot easier to, have, to encourage people, hey, invite your friends, your neighbors. And a lot of it starts by handing out food bags. They start seeing, why are these, why are these people different? why are they handing out food bags you know and then just loving on them practically little by little they soften up realize there's something going on you know they they're not just trying to get uh you know bonus points these christians they're just they're truly loving on people and then um, and then they're hey would you like to come to this bible study you know we see that you're going through this hard times we can pray for you you know every It's very rare to see somebody turn down prayer. Sometimes they do, but a lot of times, you know, even if they don't know God, they're like, okay. And so it's kind of like, hey, come, come, we're studying the Bible and we'll pray together. And so, and ideally, so a, a cell group, a cell church. We have ideals and then we have reality, you know how that works. And ideally, what's supposed to happen is every small group, every cell group, has a leader, an assistant leader, and the host home. Because we've learned that if the leader is also the host and no one else shows up, it's just him by himself. But if there's a leader and a host home, then they show up, you know, and they're the only ones there. There's at least three or four, you know. So, and ideally what happens, ideally, once again, is little by little, it starts to... It starts to grow they invite people you know non-christians where non-christians can go i don't understand any of this can you explain this to me you know you can do that you know when was the last time you saw somebody raise a hand in a church service saying pastor i'm sorry i don't get this it just doesn't happen but in a small group you can do that and so we have these small groups and people can say i don't get this can you explain this to me or um we were leading a cell group years ago that, um, it was like 12 to 15 people, but w- as soon as rainy season came around, rainy season's like uh, June through September, our, our numbers would plummet because, you know, they would have to walk to the house in the rain, and, uh, and so we, we just noticed, you know, we went from 12 to 15 people to all of a sudden three or four people, and we learned, because we observed this, that who was going to cry tonight? because there was always and it wasn't because of my message it was <laughs> it was because they were carrying such heavy burdens that they that they felt like they couldn't share with anyone else and then all of a sudden when there's just a handful of us they felt like they could share with what was going on in their life and and it was amazing it was precious and stuff like that happens you know when you have uh, the thing with small groups is it takes time, you, but you build confidence and you become vulnerable. And sometimes we kind of, kind of force a little, force vulnerability, that's not what I'm trying, something like that. You know, you try to create area so that people can be vulnerable and so that they can share, that they can open up. And because we've seen that's where the true growth really happens in the small group. And part of it is, you ha- we we had to create a DNA that they're not aiming um, like like the, the the small group leaders. They're not trying to be the perfect leader because in order to be perfect leader, they'd have to go off to like school somewhere for four years, come back. We're trying to create in like um, a learning environment. So you know, we even had one lady come to us and. Um, when, our, when our church was just starting and we just had a few people preaching on Sundays, you know, just different people. And our people preaching weren't the best preachers. And we had this one lady come to us one Sunday and she goes, I miss hearing a good sermon. <laughs> and we said, you know what? You can go to the church down the street because their pastor is, he's amazing. But, but we were trying to create that DNA, that environment that we're, we're a place where you can learn. And so, actually, we had one year where I think we had 13 or 14 people in our church that preached, and some of them for the first time. You know, I think I was preaching maybe once a month, once every six weeks, because we we just wanted to have this shared thing so that we could show, hey, you don't have to be seminary trained to get up here. And once we created that environment, people were like, oh, okay, well, I, I can, you know, a lot of those thirteen or fourteen preached once, and they're like, "Yeah, that was good. I don't need to do it again." But, but when we had that environment, people were um, they were willing to step out and say, "I would like to lead a small group, or I'd like to participate in one, and stuff like that." And that's where we really saw the growth happen. So, I want to encourage you two things: the two things that we've seen with with church growth and with with um, just personal discipleship growth, just. Um, First of all, if you're not part of a small group, become part of a small group. They can seriously be life-changing. It's not for the other guy. It is for you. Um, The second thing is realize that wherever you go, you carry Jesus. And so just love other people well, okay? And I just want to add a PS to the end of this sermon here. because, Because I'm a missionary, I have to share the missionary verse that we always share. Uh, Matthew 28, um, because both my wife and I have talked, and part of the reason I think that we both received a, a call to become missionaries is because the churches we were involved in had missionaries come through and show slideshows. You guys remember those slideshows? Show slideshows of some other country that we'd never even heard of, and you know they're doing such and such there. And it touched our hearts, and so our lives were touched by missionaries. And so that when God came and said, "Would you be one?" We were, you know, we kind of had an idea, and we were kind of ready for for that. And so, you know, I don't know where you guys are in your stage of life. I don't know what you're thinking and stuff like that. But, you know, I know there are needs here in Troy, but there's also needs in other parts of the world. And the missionary dynamic is going through a change, just like everything else. But I just want to read this. This verse here, uh, I have to find it here. Am I f- okay. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And that As you go, this somebody told me that therefore go can also be translated as as you go. As you go, make disciples. That's kind of cool. As you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. kind of leave that out sometimes that's important right there teaching them to obey everything i've commanded you and surely i am with you always even to the ends of the age and in that the i love how that wraps up because jesus is always with us we're never alone he's always with us it's all about him nothing else so i just want to finish in prayer okay jesus you are so amazing it's so good to be here with um brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, and I just ask that you'd bless this church, that they would be a church that makes disciples that, make disciples, that make disciples, that make disciples, that make disciples, that make disciples, and that they would grow in you and learn their gifts and how you love them individually so that they can go out and love others well. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.